0: Well, that song said, what's in my heart tonight, I am thankful. You know, when you come through a trial, you ought to hit the amen button right there. We got to talk to Facebook and and they got smiles and thumbs up and hearts and angry and all of that. They got to put an amen button on there, and uh if i if I could, I'd put that emoji on there with that fellow running just fast as he can. in fact, Brother Tyra, you're probably in the parking lot, you can get out run around your truck for me right now, and uh, that's how I feel and I'm thankful for God's goodness. You get through the trial and you look back, and boy sometimes you think, I'll never get through this valley <laughs> we We'll never be back together again. We'll never have our church. It'll never be the same. Boy, you get through the valley and you look back and you realize God's been good to us. And he's been mighty good. And I'm grateful for that. And boy, I don't want to ever advertise for the devil. I want to advertise for the winner. I'm glad to be an advance agent for the winning side. Open your Bibles tonight to Second Chronicles, the Old Testament book. Second Chronicles chapter 34. Thank you so much, family, for singing tonight. I appreciate that. Uh, You bless my heart. I'll tell you, I am grateful for your faithfulness and the practice and preparation and the good songs. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, I'm preaching tonight on the subject, the only hope for a lawless society. The only hope for a lawless society. What we're seeing in America tonight does not have to be. It did not have to happen. Uh, it did not. When uh, uh, folks do what they want to do rather than what's right to do, it never brings joy, happiness, and unity. It always brings division. Second Chronicles chapter thirty-four. If you have your Bibles, let's look at verse number eighteen. The Bible says that then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, "Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book." And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words, notice his three words now, of the law. When he heard the words of the law. They had a book. And when they read the words of the law that he rent his clothes, that was a sign of repentance. That was a sign of shame. That was a sign of humility <clears throat> before God. And the king commanded Hilkiah and uh, uh, Ahiakim, the son of Shaphat, and Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asaiah, a servant of the kings, saying, "'Go inquire of the Lord for me.'" Now, first of all, he falls on his face after hearing the word of God, and he begins to repent in shame and embarrassment of their sin. Now, I want you to go to verse number 30. Second Chronicles 34 and verse number 30. "'Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem.'" And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and now notice, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, and the Levites, and all the people great and small, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. Now, covenant is God saying, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to make an agreement. We're going to make a covenant. Look at verse 31. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. "...with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God." Now what he's doing here, he's having an invitation. He personally has committed to be obedient to the law that they've read. He is uh, uh, committed to the covenant, his part of the covenant. Now he said, if you'll join me, I want you to stand. And the Bible said the people uh, stood. Now look at verse 33. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertained to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God and all his days, All his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. The only hope for a lawless society. Heavenly Father, as I preach tonight, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. Use your word in power. And I pray, Lord, that your will be accomplished tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, the context of this chapter is what makes the chapter an important chapter. It makes this event like a light that shines out of darkness. Josiah is the king at just age 8 when we begin reading in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Before King Josiah was Ammon... But Ammon wasn't the king very long. He was the son of Manasseh, who was the king before him. Now, many say and most agree that Manasseh was the most wicked king of Judah. He was the most wicked, and he reigned for 55 long and disastrous years. Manasseh promoted Idolatry. Idolatry is to worship anything you want to worship. He had pagan temples built telling the people, I want everybody to do what everybody wants to do. He even sacrificed one of his own sons in the fires of Molech. God had forbidden that, of course, but he's so wicked and desiring to please the people, chose the most wicked of the gods that they imagined, and he offered his own son, one of his sons, in the fires of Molech. Most believe that it was Manasseh that martyred the prophet Isaiah. It is said that Isaiah, and of course, this is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, sawn asunder. It is said that Isaiah was inside a hollow log when Manasseh ordered for him to be sawn in two. And that's how the prophet of God died. Manasseh was a person and promoter of sin and wickedness in the land. It was a day of sin, it was a day of division, it was a day of crime, it was a day of lawlessness. It was a day that you did not want to be in Judah. When Manasseh dies, Josiah becomes the king. He inherits the throne. And there are several things that lead up to what we read in chapter 34, I think are important. The first thing that David did was, he said, I want, to, I want to be a king like my father or forefather, King David. God bless David, our forefather, and I'm going to go back to being what my forefather David was. So whatever David had done, Manasseh, I'm sorry, not Manasseh, Josiah, copied. Josiah did exactly and it would do us good if we would go back to the founding fathers and their love for the scripture and to go back not try to find something that we disagree with but see their character see their integrity see their faith in God and say that's what kind of a nation we want we're going to go back to the behavior of our founding fathers that's what david that's what josiah did The second thing he did, and it's interesting, eight years later the Bible said he began to seek the God of his father David. He said, my forefather David was the greatest king, and he was, in the land of Israel, I want to copy him. But then he said, I want to learn what made David the great king he was, and he began to seek the God of David, his father. The next step, four years later, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. He broke down the altars and the false gods. He took away the groves. He took away the pictures that they had made of stone uh, of their false gods and he destroyed them and he made them into dust. But he didn't stop there. In his 18th year he began to clean up the temple. The temple had been closed in the days of Manasseh and had remained closed. It became just a place uh, that was uh, empty, that was dirty, and uh, no one had gone into the temple, and Josiah wanted the temples cleaned. And so as they began to clean the temple, in verse number 16, the Bible said they found a book, and they brought that book to Josiah. And as the book was read to Josiah, and the Bible tells us what it was, it was not just the Bible, and it was not the Bible as I hold in my hands, but it was the law. It was these first five books of the Bible, and they began to read that to Josiah. Now Josiah had copied everything that he knew from David his father. He was doing what was right. But when he began to read the law He realized how much sin and iniquity there was in the land. He realized what had caused the lawlessness of the land and he fell on his face and he began to repent of his sin. And then the Bible said he gathered the people and he began to read to the people what he had read. I want to say tonight they did not read a book to build their self-esteem. They did not build a book to increase their confidence or their pride in self. They did not read an inspirational devotional book that took them 25 seconds so they could get back to whatever it was that they enjoyed doing. They did not experience an emotional stir or it was not a musical concert uh, that caused the reaction that they had. But dear friend, they began to read the law, the law given by Moses from God himself and the result of reading the law was that they confessed their sins and sorrow and fear. Now, before I go further in the message, I want to point out something that seems different but it is connected. When you study the New Testament, you'll find so often there is a reference to back to the law Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the five books of the law. For example, when the two men were walking to Emmaus on the Emmaus road, Jesus walked with them and the Bible says in Luke 24:27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Think about that. Jesus, as he began to testify to these two men of who he was, he began with the law. He began in Genesis. He began with the creation. He began with the law. Then he went to the prophets and he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I want to say tonight the law of God is the foundation of life, and it is important to knowing joy and gladness. And unity in our day. They're never going to solve divisions in our nation until everyone decides we're going to follow what God the creator has said now here's what America needs tonight America needs to get back to the word of God America will not get back to the word of God until the pulpits in America get back to the word of God and we've come to the place that on Sunday morning church is nothing more than an inspirational uh, uh, rally to keep folks encouraged about themselves Uh, but dear friend when you preach the Bible especially when you get into the law you realize as that I am nothing but a created being of God and in him and through him is the way that I know joy and fulfillment in my life. Now you say, preacher... What is in the law that affected them when they read it? What was in the law that affected Josiah? What was in the law that affected the priest and the scribe? What was in the law that affected the elders of Judah and Jerusalem? What was in the law that caused the people to stand and say, King, we're with you? What caused that? What's in the law? I've made a simple outline and just several statements and I'll watch my time here. Uh, uh, But I just want to give you what's in the law. The Bible begins in the book of Genesis with the power of God at creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. They read how God in six literal days created the world and everything in it On the sixth day, he took dust and he formed man and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He took a rib from Adam and he made a woman and on the seventh day, God rested. Now I want to tell you something. When you read about a person, about a God that can create the world in six literal days, friend, that will get your attention. Understanding he has all power in heaven and in earth they continued to read in the law and they read about how Adam and Eve were placed in the garden of Eden and they read about the fall of man the sin that Adam committed was not an abomination as listed in 2nd Chronicles it wasn't an abomination of immorality it wasn't a murder what Adam did was disobey God he ate of the tree that God told him not to eat of and so sin was defined to them anything that is a "...against the word of God is sin." we live in a day we dress up sin we give it a good name and if it's really bad we call it a disease and we create a medicine for it and we excuse all of that behavior God said disobedience to me is sin. They saw the curse of sin. Uh, It was explained to them why there were thorns uh, among uh, the roses. Thorns uh, and nettles among the flowers. Uh, They learned of the curse of sin Uh, they learned that the ground was cursed and Adam's work became difficult. They learned about the pain of childbearing. They learned of the curse of sin. As they read through the law, they read about the family. Of course, they read that God made man male and female. And that's all. Two sexes, that's all God made. God defined, God designed marriage, a man, a woman, and then God blessed them and gave them children. They learned about the family. They learned about personal responsibility and the model of the home. As they read through the law, they read of Cain and Abel. Cain uh, made a sacrifice to God and it was the first fruits of the ground it was the first fruits of what he had raised in the garden and in the orchard and God said I, I, I can't accept that because that's not what I asked for uh, you you uh, don't go under the merit of your father or your mother you make your own choice Cain and uh, your offering is rejected I can't accept that the offering I asked for is a blood offering You see, when Adam and Eve had sinned, they covered themselves with fig leaves and God said, that's not good. And He took the life of an animal, of a lamb, and he made for them a covering from an innocent lamb, which was a picture of Christ dying on the cross of Calvary, the innocent dying for the guilty, the wealthy dying for the poor, the sinless one dying for the sinful one. And they saw that innocent lamb die to cover mother and father and them. Abel offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God and God accepted that. Cain got angry. He said, that's not fair. That's injustice. And so he killed his brother Abel and then he tried to hide him. And He tried to hide from the Lord and he came and he said, to Cain, where's your brother Abel? He said, I'm my brother's keeper. Can I tell you there's a lot in that story? Cain was filled with anger and wrath and God said, why art thou wroth? You did what you wanted to do. You gave the sacrifice you wanted to give. You killed your brother. You've, you ought to be happy. Why art thou wroth? I'll tell you why he was angry. And these folks in 2 Chronicles 34, they're reading the law and they realize what made Cain angry was his disobedience. What made Cain wroth was his rebellion against God. What made Cain wroth? It didn't satisfy Cain once he had killed his brother. He became personally responsible and later he cried, Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. They read in the law. That's not all. As they continued to read in the law, they read of the days of Noah. And uh, the Bible said that the sin and iniquity came up before God and it repented God that he'd even made man. And he announced that there would be a flood in 120 years and he would take the life of every man that would not get on the ark. And so they saw yet another picture of sin, of righteousness, of judgment they saw another picture of what they'd seen in the garden of eden as they continued to read they read of abraham and god's promise to him to make of him the father of a great nation they read of abraham of isaac and jacob they read of god's blessings to those that were obedient and they read of god's punishment to those that lived in sin and wrong what caused Josiah to fall on his face and so God please forgive us of our sin? What caused the people to stand and say King we're with you, we want to obey the Bible, we want to obey God? I'll tell you what it was, they read the law, they read what was right, they read what was wrong, they, 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 they read of the blessings of obedience, they read of the, diso- uh, the a curse of the disobedience of those days. They read how God raised up Moses as a deliverer. They read how Pharaoh declared, there'll be no deliverer born on my watch. We'll murder all of the children. We'll take their lives when they're born. God said, not only will I raise a deliverer, I'll raise him on your knee. And they saw the providence of God. They saw they weren't in control, they saw God was in control. They saw how powerful and mighty Pharaoh was and though he was mean and wicked, he thought he was in control. God said, Pharaoh, you're not in control. I'm in control. I'm telling you what they read that brought revival. Church is not about the flesh feeling better. The church is about us crucifying the flesh and living under God. You say preacher, but I want to have fun in life. I want to enjoy life. I'll tell you how to enjoy life. Be obedient to the word of God. Live according to the laws of God and God will bless your life. They read in Exodus how God delivered them from bondage. They read as Pharaoh followed them and it looked as if there were no hope but they were serving a God that made a way across the Red Sea. They read of how God provided for them in the wilderness, how God put shoes on their feet and clothes on their back, how he gave them manna to eat and water from the rock of Horeb. They read how they were treated in Egypt and how God was blessing them even as they went through the wilderness. They read how God made of them a great nation and how he'd prepared for them the land of Canaan Ah, that was the land that these folks were living in they went back and read their history they didn't destroy it they read it they didn't get rid of their history they learned from their history they learned from the mistakes of those that did wrong they learned from the obedience of those that did right take your Bibles and go with me if you will to the book of Exodus in chapter 20 No doubt they came to this passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter 20, and the Bible says this, beginning in verse number 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You don't worship anybody but God. You put God first in your life. You recognize He's the giver of life. He's the giver of eternal life. You realize God is the provider of all that we have. God is the creator and sustainer of the earth. And we're to worship no one. Who in the world would want to worship somebody that lived and died and they're still dead? He said, worship the God of eternity. Worship the God whose sons died on the cross for our sin. But not only did He die, He rose again from the grave. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back. FOR HIS OWN thou shalt have no other gods before me verse number 4 thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above that's in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them that's what had happened in the land of Judah that's why there was so much lawlessness because Manasseh told them worship anybody you want to worship faith is important but you just put your faith anywhere you want Joseph said oh no there's but one place to put your faith there's but one person to worship and that's the God of heaven notice what he says in verse number 7 thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain by the way that wasn't just for the people of 2nd Chronicles 34 that's for you and that's for me we're not supposed to take God's name in vain we're not supposed to worship an idol or an image that replaces God we're not to worship any. but the God of heaven. That's for me today. You understand when we look at the behavior of the world and we look at what we're supposed to be doing and we realize how far apart that we are. We fall on our face before God and we realize that God would be justified to judge us even now in our disobedience. God has the right to bring America to its knees. God has the right to end the sovereignty of our nation. God has the right to make us as he did Israel to the Babylonians God has a right to do that tonight oh how we need to realize our sin and iniquity in our nation the Bible says in verse number 8 remember the Sabbath day notice what he said to keep it holy verse 12 honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. And the Bible says that they read the law and no doubt as they began to read what God said was right and what God says was wrong, conviction fell and they came under the shame of their sin. They read in the book of Leviticus how God established a priesthood and how they were to be a holy people, how they were to be an example, how God wanted them to have fellowship with Him. They read of God's special blessings promised to them through obedience. They read of the warnings God gave them against disobedience and he told them, here's what I want you to do once a year. I want you to come to these mountains and I want you to read as instructed in Deuteronomy. I want you to read a blessing and I want you to read a cursing. I want you to read an act of obedience and what God will do to bless it. I want you to read an act of disobedience and how God would curse it. No wonder they fell on their face. They didn't have a rock and roll show. They, they, they didn't have a feel good sermon. They, they, they didn't have something that patted them on the back. Friend, they began to read the book. Boy, it brought conviction. They read of the Constitution God gave them to their nation through Moses, as recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. They read of their experiences of the snakes in the wilderness and how they're complaining caused the poisonous snakes to come out and people began to die Moses cried to God no wonder they got the priest and they said go inquire of the Lord they saw what the people did when they began to die of the poisonous snake bites and they said Moses what do we do God said Moses I want you to make a serpent and I want you to put it on a pole And they have to look to that serpent, and if they will, they'll be healed. Later, John, in the book of John, the Bible would say, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. They read of those experiences of their sin and the punishment. They read of the experience of the water and the manna. They read of the ways God protected them, guided them, and gave them miracles. I believe fear came when they read of the flood. For too long in America, we have denied the God of creation. We have taught people that they're the result of evolving from a lower animal life. Friend, that's not true. That's a devil's lie. The Bible says you and I are created in the image of God. We're not evolved from a lower animal life. You're important. Every person that God gives life to is important. Every person. Everyone. You're not an animal. You didn't evolve from an animal. You're God's created being. You want to find peace? Worship the Creator. You want to find satisfaction within your soul? Look to the God of heaven and say, God, thank you for giving me life for being my Creator. For too long we've permitted and promoted that people live without moral guidelines and guardrails. We have promoted immodesty, immorality, and then abortion on demand. Rather than promoting what God says about male and female and about marriage and married moms and dads having children and children growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we have said, just live any way you want to live. In fact, we'll give you money. We'll pay for your immorality. The more children you have, the more money we'll give you. We've taught, we've trained. Folks to live in immorality. No wonder there's lawlessness in our land. For too long we've promoted anything but personal responsibility. We teach people more and more and more to trust in government. If you run out, you trust in government. They read the law of how God provided for them. There was no government in the wilderness to bring them water. They cried out to God and God gave them water from a rock. Oh, you say, preacher, that's foolishness. That'll never happen. Well, I tell you what, our policies in America is not working too well. What we're doing in our country is not only drowning us in debt, folks are burning the buildings we are supposed to live in and work out of. Useless killings and fightings and drunkenness. By the way, they read the story of what happened to Noah and his drunkenness and the sin of his drunkenness and the result and what it brought about. They probably said, you know what? Drinking is not the right thing to do. Drinking brings pain. For too long we promoted anything but personal responsibility. We've watched just in the last few months, we've watched government officials send police cars to churches in the name of safety saying you can't have church. You can't have more than 10 or 20 or 50. And yet the very same people are promoting protesters, marching with them, speaking to them, A few weeks ago, stopping the church, publicly criticizing the church and promoting the protesters. One said out west, these folks are patriotic. They're not patriotic. There's nothing good and right that comes from looting and cursing and swearing and burning and destroying. Folks, hear me well. The only hope we have for a lawless society is the law. We've got to get back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But, but, but you say, preacher, that, that, that old Bible says homosexuality is wrong. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it says. But, 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 but preacher, it's such, a, it's such a controlled life. How's life going now, folks, in their homes filled with fear? Folks driving down the road in Lexington two nights ago, they stop at a light because the light turns red and they're surrounded by hoodlums that curse them and swear at them for 45 minutes, calling them terrible, nasty names. That's no control at all. The law is the only hope for a lawless society. Let me give you four statements and I'm going to finish. First of all, we must get back to personal responsibility for ourselves, for our marriages, and for our children. We have to teach our children personal responsibility. You'll be obedient and God will bless you. If you're disobedient, you're going to cause pain and harm. You are individually responsible. You're responsible for your own body. You're responsible to keep your body clean and pure to keep your mind clean, to keep yourself pure. And if you don't, sin may be fun and there may be pleasure for a time, but the pain that it brings is not worth the pleasure that it gives. And beside that, it's against the God of heaven. You forfeit the blessings of God. Personal responsibility. Personal responsibility to work and to earn and to build what you have there was a day a man was thankful. He was filled with self-esteem if he'd built a house that was nothing but a, but a rough lumber shack. But it was his. It belonged to he and his wife and their family and they built it from their hard work. Self-esteem cannot be given. Self-esteem is the result of accepting personal responsibility in working and providing. Let me say second of all, Christian education is of a vital importance. I need to take a, a message and preach on the importance of Christian education. I'll, I'll give you some of the reasons that Christian education is important. First of all, we need to have a biblical worldview. Without a biblical worldview, you have a book of judges. You have every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And you have lawlessness and rioting and murder and, and, and all that we see in our nation. We need to have a biblical worldview that comes from Christian education. Christian education helps us to learn from others. We learn not only from those that are wise, the Uh, Solomon learned from the fool he learned from the lazy he learned what happened to folks who are lazy we've got this idea today it's okay to be lazy the government will take care of you folks when that comes to an end you're going to be hurting I want to tell you tonight even if it didn't come to an end there's no joy there's no integrity in somebody else taking care of your needs I'm not talking about those that are uh, that are widows or those uh, that are uh, uh, not able physically to work and we have a biblical responsibility to care and to help those folks but we have to learn we learn in Christian education get along with others we learn how to deal with various personalities in life we learn from from different authority, not just mom and dad. Uh, we, we, we need Our children need the influence of another teacher, another man, another woman, a principal. It may be a different personality than me. They need to learn from that. You know what I've seen? I've seen the personalities that are in kindergarten are in the office in a law firm or in any type of a working office. You have folks that are quiet, you have folks that are loud, you have folks that are bullies, you have folks that are sly, and folks that are deceitful, folks that you can trust and you can't. It goes from kindergarten all the way through. The earlier you learn that the better. You can't go through life whining Someone sent me a picture this week saying uh, this is a picture of the next monument that needs to be put up in America and it's a picture of a pacifier. What you use for a whining child, for a crying child, you put that in their mouth uh, to make them stop crying. Folks, listen to me. We have to learn to get along with one another and we can when we open the word of God. You take for example the twelve disciples who came from different backgrounds and came from different places of work and And yet they came together and they served Christ. How could all those different personalities get along? I'll tell you how. They followed the truth. They followed Jesus. And law brought unity. And law brought uh, productivity. Number one, take personal responsibility. Number two, give your children a Christian education. Number three, we must continue the work of the Great Commission of getting the gospel out. And last of all, the work of preaching the Bible, getting it out across the nation preaching not just those things that encourage us. I love to preach about heaven. I love to preach about the comfort that we find and the strength that we find from the Lord in the valley. But also there's a time to open the book of Genesis and say this is the way it is. The book of Exodus and read the law. The book of Leviticus and read of the priesthood. The book of Numbers and realize that every person is important to God. The book of Deuteronomy, a law that brings blessings if we obey it. We need to open the book and understand the only hope for a lawless society is the law. My heart is broken for my nation tonight. I hunger for my nation to come back. Where does it begin? Begins with leadership. Begins with leadership in the church. Begins with leadership in the home. Begins with leadership in the government. May God give us more. And there are some, and an increasing number. That's why the spiritual warfare going on like it is, there are those not ashamed to call on the name of Christ and direct others to the Word of God. We need more of it. As my wife comes to play the piano on the invitation song, I ask you tonight, what is it that brings unity in your home? i tell you what it is. It's the law. It's the, it's the law, the order that God has established the home on. When dad fulfills his role and mom fulfills his role and the children are yielded to their role, the home is a peaceful place. I've said often growing up in our home, it was always a place of peace and dad was willing to go to war to keep it. Sometimes he did. But it was a peaceful, happy place. Folks, law and order comes from the Word of God.